Hello there. Before we begin, I wanted to take a moment to shout out my wonderful Buy Me a Coffee sponsors for the month. There's Shelley Toy of the Point Horror Book Club, Stephen Trigar of the podcast The Composer Chronicles by Alexandrian Media, and Gliza of the podcast Classical Adventures for One. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Please be sure to check out their podcasts and blogs. Their info is included in the show notes. If you'd like to be a sponsor for the show, you can find me at buymeacoffee.com slash DustinCanRead. And if you like what you hear, please consider leaving me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you listen to the show. Now, on to the episode. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited because I haven't, you know, done a Pride episode yet. So this will be, not that I haven't had any, like, I did the mini-sode and had, you know, mm-hmm. you should see me in a crown and whatnot. But I haven't had any, like, um, gay or queer-themed um, literature really, you know, on the show, which you would think I would since I'm a gay man. So, but here we are, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. So thank you. Yeah, but I don't podcast good. about this kind of books that often either, so or ever. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Hi, my name is Hannah. Uh, Bookstagram at Pandas Reading Rainbow, and I love Fear Street and young adult uh, fiction and graphic novels. And spoiler alert: today, Dustin and I will be talking about Alice Osman's Heartstopper and its upcoming television adaptation. Coming up next. So you have a long to be read list and you don't know how to proceed. Just give yourself a break, my friend, because Dustin can read. Dustin can read. Welcome to Dustin Can Read. This is Dustin, and I'm here today with Hannah to talk about the upcoming television adaptation of Heartstopper by Alice Osman. Hannah is from, well, I met Hannah on Instagram. She is at Pandas Reading Rainbow. And she also has a podcast, which is A Stroll Down Fear Street, which I have guested on for the Prom Queen episode and the Thrill Club episode. So, Hannah, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. <laughs> Thank know- you for having me. Oh, yeah, totally. You were the first person I thought of. And I was like, you know what? I want to do a book for Pride. And, you know, I, I saw that Heartstopper was coming out as a mm-hmm. show. And I thought, wow, this would be awesome to do. And I like graphic novels now. So and Hannah actually Perfect. is a very big um, supporter of the LGBT plus slash queer community. And she just <laughs> loves, you know, she loves her gay books. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> she especially loves her love, Simon. And uh, well, actually, yes. Simon versus the Homo sapiens agenda, but still mm-hmm. love Simon at the same time. <laughs> right. Yeah. She loves her some Simon Spear. Mm-hmm. Have you read all the uh, Love Simon books? Have you made all the um, Simon verse books? I have. Um, well, I read Simon and then Leah and the Offbeats. And I really loved Upside of Un- Unrequited, I think is what it's called, which is just like kind of in the same at- atmosphere. Um, but I didn't read the Creekwood Secrets that came out um, just last year, I think. Yeah. And I think it was kind of like letters and emails in between the characters. Um, but I didn't get read that yet. Yeah, I think it's like it's kind of a sequel to let you know what they're doing now after after high school and whatnot, right. I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we also have Love Victor that came out after that, which you know, oh my god, it's kind of like a more dramatized Love Simon in a way. Yes, it's so good. It yeah, it took me a second to get caught up on it, but um, I, I liked it in the end. It started really picking up for me toward the last few episodes, so I, I want to get yeah, back kind of took that. a second to get hooked, but I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like I said, this time we're doing Heartstopper by Alice Osman. Um, Hannah, will you read the back of the book for me? Sure. Boy meets boy, boys become friends, boys fall in love. Shy and soft-hearted Charlie Springs sits next to rugby player Nick Nelson in class one morning. 
A warm and intimate friendship follows, and that soon develops into something more for Charlie, who doesn't think he has a chance. But Nick is struggling with feelings of his own, and as the two grow closer and take on the ups and downs of high school, they come to understand the surprising and delightful ways in which love works. So lovely. So Mm -hmm. lovely. It's just a, you know, and you know what I love? I loved about this book. Like, it just, it's totally what it described. It's just... You know, boy means boy, boy becomes friends, boys fall in love. It's just so sweet and so simple. But you still, it just hooks you so well. She does such a good job at just making the simple story, which we've read before, you know, even for, you know, cisgender heterosexuals, we've read that same story before. And we've read it with some gay kids before. But for some reason, this version of it just really grabs you, you know? It does. It's so simple, like you said. And then even like classic little tropes i guess you could say little scenes in the story that's like oh that's so classic but like there's just something really endearing about the way she writes it and then the art too like such a simple art style but i still love it i know it kind of has this anime feel to it in a way but it's not i don't know what it is you know maybe it's the expressions you see all the time the oh you know that kind of like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they can't even that, that confused expression. I don't know. I always oh, think yeah. of anime when I see that. No, yeah, I can totally see that. <laughs> Let me give you a small, I'm going to give the audience a small uh, book synopsis really quick. It's, it's almost the same thing as the description, but it's got a little more to it. Sure. So we have 14-year-old Charlie Spring. When we meet him, he is in a secret relationship with Ben Hope, an older popular boy. However, things tend to get take a change when Charlie gets seated next to 16-year-old Nick Nelson in class one day. The two hit it off almost from the start, and Nick even convinces runner Charlie to go out for the rugby team. Nick's such a lovable jock that takes to tiny Charlie, and the two become instant best friends. However, complications arise when it becomes apparent to Charlie's best friend, Dal, that Charlie is falling for Nick, the seemingly straight boy. Despite his warning, Charlie continues to get closer to Nick until one night at a classmate's birthday party, they kiss. And from there, things would never be the same. So, yeah, that's basically volume one. Yeah. It, right, like what you could say pretty much like volume one and like like you just read it in like two minutes. But like it's just so much more impactful the way it's written out. Oh, yeah. Well, there's something in this that I was not expecting at all. Well, there's a couple of things I wasn't expecting. Just basically from the cover, you know, and, you know, when you open the book, it, you know, any book, you open any book and you start reading it, it, you know, like they say, don't judge a book by its cover. But this actually has a pretty decent cover that, you know, I think, I don't know, it kind of hints at what what you the feeling you're going to get when you read the book. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That loving, like just all that kind of heartwarming feeling however there's some stuff that happens in this that might not be heartwarming really even at first right so it's hard on things oh yeah there's some there's i mean i was not expecting there's actually sexually sexual assault in this basically Mm -hmm. and i was like whoa (laughs) yeah i did not expect this to happen this got deep quick yeah no it's great to see that background history of Charlie, what he goes through with Ben, who's, you know, just kind of stringing him along. But we also find out later, I think in volume two, even just some more of the bullying and things that Charlie's experienced. So he's just hooked to Ben because of the acceptance, but he's, yeah, just definitely abused and taken advantage of and then we even see it later with a more physical matter and yeah it's real it's honest yeah i just so the whole thing is when we meet charlie and ben charlie's kind of tired of ben he's kind of just a negative guy who like puts charlie down a lot even though they meet up to make out in the music room and just secretly you know because ben's not out and Charlie is. And you find out that Charlie had been bullied a lot and and uh, basically was forced out of the closet. Um, and so he kind of, you know, he comes, he bounces back and he ends up becoming popular. And generally people like him, which is a lot like me growing up. Like generally people liked me and they were OK with me, you know. So when I came out of the closet at, you know, 13, 14 years old in Mississippi in the early 90s, 
<laughs> yeah. It, you know, for some reason, I didn't really get bothered. I did get bullied a little bit. So kind of like Charlie, he got bullied a little bit, but it wasn't as bad from what I can understand. It wasn't as right. like. He was as, accepted. Yeah. yeah. People end up accepting it really quickly for the mm-hmm. most part. Like people stand up for him. You find out like some older kids stood up for him and some like I had a bunch of older kids and some like uh, jock um, girlfriends <laughs> were like, don't you mess with him. <laughs> and so that, you know, that kind of helped me. So I, I related to Charlie in that sense. Like I basically in my sense, I was Charlie like or I am Charlie. Like a lot of the same stuff that happened to Charlie happened to me. I fell for my jock best friend. And, you know, things did not happen the way they should have and like they do in this book. (laughs) (laughs) It was not a happy ending, obviously. But, um, yeah, I I totally get Charlie's point of view. And um, but the thing that bothers me is that so Charlie is with us in this relationship with Ben. And he's, you know, trying to break it off with Ben. And then Ben's like, just, you know don't leave me alone. You know, he's, he's really pissed off, like really bad. Mm-hmm. And Charlie finally confronts him. And is like, look, I could have been anybody. You didn't care about me. You just wanted some guy, some guy you can make out with because you wanted to be gay. You wanted to go ahead and let you not be gay, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he wanted to be, go ahead and be in a relationship with in, anybody so they can have that release. And, you know, mm-hmm. but it didn't matter who, who was. And it, he just picked Charlie and Charlie confronts him about that. And Ben's not even listening. He's just like, I want to make out with him. I want to do stuff with him. And he basically just jumps on top of Charlie, grabs him by the neck and pushes him back. He's like, come on, I'm just going to kiss you. And, you know, holds him there. And luckily Nick has followed Charlie and shows up and pulls Ben off. Yeah. And he's like, leave him the fuck alone. (laughs) It's like, whoa, dropping some F-bombs in this book too. I was not, I was not (laughs) expecting it. I was like, whoa, okay. Wow. They're really talking like kids. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. They really, you know, I was like, all right, that's fine. Yeah. I love that scene. It I do is, too. It is so real. It's heartbreaking. And, but I like that representation. You don't see that a whole lot in, you know, teen or YA, um, LGBTQ fiction. A lot of times it's more focused on the butterflies and the, the fuzzy feelings. But I read a book uh, last year, the music of what happens, I believe is what it's called. Um, and it also has, you know, sexual assault or, or rape between two boys. And I just, it was an interesting read and I felt like it was so important. And one of the characters who experienced that was like going through the PTSD of what that's like. And I just thought, wow, like this happens, but you know, these kids who experience that don't read books that, you know, relate to them. And so I think that's great that that was in this book. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that it happens, like you said, but, of but it's good that it's being included. So that's mm-hmm. a conversation that can be started or, or you know, something, you know, they can get to my, oh, my gosh, I'm not the only person. And this has happened to somebody else, you know, and, yeah. you know, and, and it's funny, you know, and just speaking as someone who's, you know, you can sometimes you'll find yourself in a book. You just find yourself in a book, you're, a situation you've been in or just your own personality. And it may seem so simple to somebody else when they read it. Like they might read this and think, oh gosh, you know, he got attacked and then now it's good and everything's fine. But to somebody who has been attacked and they read that and they, it might give them some PTSD flashbacks just from seeing the panels of no, stop, don't, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. And that grabs you, you know, that's, that's emotional for somebody. So I think that's really important that it's, that it was included just to show, you know, Hey, look, this happens in everyday life. Exactly. And then for those kids who experience that to know that it's not okay. And, you know, Nick's there to defend him and and to know that, like, it's not okay that Charlie was being taken advantage of. I know. And let's just talk about how much of a dreamboat that Nick is, actually. (laughs) He is so dreamy just because, you know, they're like, oh, he's the jock and everything. But he's just so he's a popular kid. He's, he's a just teddy like, bear. You yes, know what he's I just mean? a big, huggable guy. Totally. Oh, man. And he just loves and he just wants to, you know, befriend everybody. And it just seems like that. And, and he, he, like I said, he takes to Charlie and he's just like, I just love you. You're just so fascinating to me. And I just, I, I love being around you. I love you. the friendship that builds, like, 
it's like an opposites attract sort of, but it's their personalities that connect so well. Like they just get each other. I know so they don't really have much in common at all. No, they don't. I love that Nick tries to get Charlie on the rugby team. It's so cute. And like well, the fact that just, Charlie does it. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. He's a skinny um, little kid. And he's like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I and did, felt like that scene and then there's that so there's a scene when nick's like teaching rugby to charlie and he's like can't keep up but then they experience the like physical touch when they're tackling and like and i'm just like that's so classic like (laughs) learning a sport together and then instead of it being like a dance right and they're touching and it's like then the sparks fly and then later i i think it's volume two so i'm sorry if oh no that's fine I'm, 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 I'm okay with talking about volume one okay. and two because okay. i know volume one and two i haven't read volume yeah. three yet so <laughs> well we see later when charlie's teaching nick how to play the drums and i'm just like that's so classic you know like holding his hands with the drumsticks and like teaching him and so then there's the sparks flying there and everything and it's just everything so just classic and i love it I yeah love they, it. it's like they take a they take those tropes that you know the whole i'm gonna help you learn something and therefore we're touching but it, they don't use the you know usually when you, you don't you do the drums you do something like playing golf that's what i was that, thinking you know what i mean like I'm, let me just put my yeah. arms around you like exactly. oh he's holding me you know pottery <laughs> like in the movie yes. <laughs> teaching you how to use some pottery you got some soulful motown music in the background and <laughs> This is totally normal, totally heterosexual. No, no, it's not. (laughs) No, it's not. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, so Charlie and Nick hit it off. They become, like, best friends. Everybody around them sees what's happening. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Everybody's like, so we're all convinced that Nick's in love with Charlie, right? Everybody's like, yeah, we're pretty sure he's in love with Charlie. (laughs) I love when his friends start to see that, or the rugby players. I don't know that it's his, like, best friends, but just some of the other rugby players are like they see them like practice tackling or something and laughing and they're just like you guys seeing what i'm saying like he likes them right yeah yeah he's got a crush like i love that and that's you know i just love that and that brings in one of my favorite characters which is miss singh the pe teacher Mm -hmm. oh my goodness that oh that character is so great and what's funny is that miss singh she comes up, they're all talking like, oh my gosh, he's gay, isn't he? Nick's gay, right? I don't know. And so Miss Singh watch up, walks up and she says, quote, you can't tell whether people are gay by what they look like. And gay or straight aren't the only two options. Anyway, it's very rude to speculate about other people's sexuality. Go home, lads. <laughs> I and I was it. like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I love her. She's like, so because great. there is a lot of talk in this book of like, well, he doesn't look gay like he doesn't look like he'd be gay because he's a jock or whatever there's a lot of in this book about associating their looks with either their personality or their sexuality and then yeah i love that she touches on that of like yeah "Eh, you can't really can't base things off that you can't really base it off that you know it is a whole you know that's the whole thing about gaydor by the way i want everybody to know you can't yeah sure some people you can look at and go okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just some people are, and that's just, you have to admit, that's obvious. Some people are just obvious. You can't help that. They can't help it. And that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. That's where they are. But they some people, it. yeah. And some people, though, you kind of go, that's where gaydar comes in. That's where you do the process of elimination. That's what gaydar is. <laughs> people don't seem to know that. And like, yeah, gaydar comes with experience, A. And it just comes with like you you notice certain things about somebody, you know, how they're dressed, how they're standing, how they talk, what they look at when they're talking at things, what their facial expressions are, what kind of things do they talk about? You know, do they, you know, are they more artsy? Because artsy people tend to lend towards, you know, being, you know, less heterosexual. (laughs) (laughs) And that's just the truth. You know, I'm not saying everybody, but, you know, there's, you know, there's little factors here, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and so that's where gaydar is, and it's a breakdown. So you can't judge just based off somebody's appearance. You know, you just can't. Yeah. Um, and but and plus, you got to ask them. They don't know. If they don't know, you can't tell. You know, mm-hmm. what if they're not out? You know, you don't want to do that. To somebody don't. You know, don't don't speculate about other people's sex lives and or their sexual orientation, and just worry about your own. Exactly. I I didn't. I don't know that I made like specific notes on this, but I think what I 
appreciate so much about Nick is because it's so funny that you say you identify with like Charlie, like I identify with Dick, Nick 100%. Uh, not that I was like a jock. Well, I mean, <laughs> I was athletic, but anyways, I totally identify with Nick when it comes to like discovering your sexuality. And I love that that is his story where he's asking Charlie, like, how did you know you were gay? And he's like, with Charlie, it's like he had crushes on like these fictional characters and things like that. It was but always Nick in the back never, of his mind, but he didn't really he, pin it down until later. Exactly. And Nick, he didn't ever question his sexuality until he started to genuinely have feelings for his best friend. And so I love that like his sexuality is defined by love, really. And it he finds out that he just loves his best friend. And that's when he's like, well, that's confusing. And then he kind of starts to think more through it. And I, I relate to that more. And I just love that story as well, because it also shows the depth and difference of how people discover their sexualities or their Yeah, identities. I thought about that too. I thought that was really cool. And I'm glad that it wasn't like, yeah, I've always known too. Or, you know, that one time when I thought of this boy or I saw my dad's friend and he was showering or <laughs> or something. <laughs> that was a little too sure, much. But... because the stories can be so different. And exactly. I, I think that there are definitely people who identify their sexualities in a physical manner. It because It's because it's a physical attraction or like for Charlie, he just had crushes on these fictional characters and he read books and movies and stuff. But Nick, like he's not focused on that kind of stuff. He's just into sports in his school. And then I, Charlie comes out of nowhere. And so like his sexuality is discovered by love for a best friend. And I just really love that story. I do too. I love that too. And I like how it's, and everybody's like, you know, some people just know, and then they just admit it to themselves. And then some people don't know. And then I don't like for me, for example, for example, I was watching a movie and a naked guy showed up on the screen and I was very interested in it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, Oh no, what is going on with me? And I was like, I was like 12 or 13 years old. I was like, what is going on here? And so I have like journal entries of me saying, I'm gay. No, 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 I'm bi. No, no, no. I'm just confused. I'm just really, you know, I'm going through, I'm hormonal. I'm sexual. I just want everybody. And I just kept going back and forth. I have that written down in journals, you know, just be going back and forth. And so, you know, some people just know instantly. Sometimes you try to Mm -hmm. convince yourself you have something else, you know, and that's kind of like what Nick is doing. He doesn't really know. And that's totally fine. You don't have to know. But what he's doing is, you know, he's like, am I, I, I liked girls in the past, I think. Didn't I? <laughs> right. Did I, or did I convince myself I liked girls? I don't know. And that's, that's also something you got to quite, did I really like girls or did I convince myself I like girls? Yeah. For me, I convinced myself to like have a crush on Stephanie Tanner from Full House. <laughs> but you know, I didn't really that's have a crush choice. on Stephanie Tanner, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't have a crush on her. I just thought she was she was the middle child. We were the same age group. And I was like, I guess I'll pick Stephanie to be have a crush on, you know, and yeah. I, I admitted to myself now that that's what I did. But back then I was like, oh, no, I totally have a crush on Stephanie Tanner. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't, kid. Um, but that's for me to decide, not somebody else. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Did you ever do anything like that? Did you ever look back or anything? Or is it, or, um, or is it, you said you were more like Nick and you're like, you didn't have anything until all of a sudden one day you just, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Where it's like, and then I feel like, because this isn't very new for me. I mean, we don't need to like get all into my story or anything. But, <laughs> uh, my, I'm discovering some things about my sexual identity um, at a very, in my, in my thirties and I'm learning to be, to accept myself for that, to know that it's okay that I'm not a teenager figuring this out. But to me, it's because of my religious home that I was raised in that I didn't even think that it was possible that like I could function differently. So I, but now, yeah, totally. I look back and I'm like, what does it mean that like I had crushes on like all the boys in middle school and I had a boyfriend like all the time, but like at school dances, I'd hide in the bathroom because I didn't want to dance with them. Or like at the football game, I'd hide under the bleachers because I didn't want to hold my boyfriend's hand. Like, like, Hmm, something seems weird about that now. Yeah, I didn't know it in the moment. (laughs) Yeah. I totally get that too. You know, whatever. And, you know, like, you know, Charlie even says, he says, you know, I've always known. And for me, you know, 
I can't speak for everybody, but sometimes you might always know and just admit it to yourself like, oh, yeah, I guess I am. Okay. For me, I was like, I didn't always know. But then one day I just kind of had that awakening moment. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I was very interested in this character in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why I was really interested in it. Like, or this character, you know, I remember one time there was a movie and which is really funny. The name of the movie is called She's My Man. And it was some guy trying to enter a contest. So he ends up dressing in drag. And then, like, some producer guy ends up liking him in drag, thinking he's an actual woman or that, you know, I don't know. And at some point, this guy, he's a sleazeball, ends up naked and you see his butt. And I was I was probably like six or seven. I was very interested in seeing this guy's butt. I don't know why <laughs> at that time. I look back and I'm like, yeah, I know why now. <laughs> so I know why now. But I also think, like, I almost envy in some ways people who – just kind of know that about themselves at a younger age, but at a lot of, it's also sad because it just shows you how things just aren't normalized in the way that they should be. And so something I also think about related you're in a similar realm is like mental illness or like you don't, if that's not normalized to some people. So when I was a kid, it wasn't normalized to have any kind of mental illness and depression and anxiety. Like that wasn't, that wasn't real or it wasn't normal. And so Mm -hmm. when I was younger, I didn't pick up on the fact that the reason why I was hyperventilating or hiding and, and doing all these things and freaking out about these moments, like, were for a real legitimate reason. I didn't know that till I was older. And then I can look back and be like, Oh my God, I had anxiety when I was six years old. But when I was young, I didn't know because it wasn't normalized. It wasn't even a thing I heard about because it's just the world I lived in. Oh, I, I, Oh my gosh. I feel you there. Like I totally agree. And you know, what's sad, like you, you weren't really aware of like, Oh, you know, therapy and psychological stuff growing up. Like you just said, I was, and sadly enough, I, I I knew there was something wrong with, I, I, you know, I, now I know I'm neurodivergent, but, um, what it is, I don't know. I haven't been diagnosed yet because I've been figuring this out during the whole pandemic, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I I even like I had problems socializing with kids. I was wondering why what's wrong with me? You know, what what did I do wrong? And I know it was me. And I would kept saying, Mom, I need therapy. I need something. I don't know what's wrong with me. And then it never happened. It just kind of got brushed under the table. Mm-hmm. And I never saw a therapist, never saw a therapist until my late twenties. And then I still didn't find a good therapist that really, you know, so I'm still kind of in the midst of looking for a new therapist. But anyway, um, <laughs> Not to dive into everything, but yeah, mental health and repression, basically all of it's all about repression, you know, not thinking about it, focus on this, don't worry about this, you know, look this way and that can take its toll. It can really hurt you, you know, and then it can also, it can kind of brainwash you in a way. So that way, you know, like you said, there's some kids who just, who come out at such a young age and they know, they know that they're, they like boys or girls and they know that they're, you know, if they feel like a boy or a girl, you know, you know, and they just know so early on. And that has a lot to do with their parents and their, you know, environment that they, you know, accepting environment, they can do that. And I wish everybody had that. Seems like things like that too. Live in a small town versus living in a big city. Like those things make a difference. Oh yeah. school, you know, everything. Oh, yeah, it totally does. It's just having open minded, you know, people around you that you can feel that you can be open with. And that's an instinctual thing. You know, when you mm-hmm. have that when you have that environment around you, you know, you just feel it. You can be open. You can be yourself. And unfortunately, most people don't have that open environment around them. And so therefore, they get repressed until later on in life. And then they're trying to figure out their sexuality. And they could have figured it out way well before then. But, you know, unfortunate circumstances. Let's go into some of these characters. I know we kind of went off um, on a tangent. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> <Probably my bad. laughs> we both went. We both did it. It's okay. So, yeah, I want to talk about some of these other characters. I definitely want to talk about Charlie's best friend, um, Dao Zhu. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, presumably in the first one, you don't know what's, what Dao Zhu's you know, problem is with Nick. You know that, you know, oh, he's he's a straight guy, Charlie. You need to get away from him. And he's, you know you're just making yourself, you know, setting yourself up for failure with this whole thing. You're having a crush on this guy. And, 
And you're like, is he being overprotective? Is he jealous? Like, what's going on? <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. And you find out in volume two really what it was. And it was being overprotective because Dow was basically Charlie's only friend when Charlie was getting bullied. And Charlie was having a rough time. And he just cares a lot about Charlie and really just doesn't want him to go through it again. Yeah. And it was like, I thought at first that maybe he was just like, oh, you're going to get your heart broken. Like this guy's straight. He's never going to be into you. But then we find out when he like confronts Charlie, like, like, hey, I can tell you really have feelings for this guy, but he's straight. And so Tao's problem is more like once Nick finds out you like him, he's going to like bully you, tell everybody or beat you up or something. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't think about that. That's not why I, what I thought tells like intention, like what he was thinking. And then it made so much more sense why he was so passionate about it. I know because the panels just kept showing Tao is like having this like "Mm," kind of face, like get away from him, that kind of, you know, disgruntled look. And you're like, are you jealous? Is that what this is? You know, I, I, you know, yeah. I, they, it's kind of drawn that way. You're like, no, he's just like, mm, I don't like this. Mm-mm. <laughs> that's kind of what the face is. And it's, I think that's really cool. You know, and then you get like, you have the reasons for it, which are the, one of these main jock f- quote friends, like Harry Green, who is just a jerk beyond jerk, just a homophobic, spoiled, antagonistic person. Oh just my God. If I can horrible. And just, you know, at first in the first one, he's just kind of a jerk and they're at, you know, his birthday party and he says some shitty things and Nick's like, fuck off, dude. And, (laughs) you know, and they leave and that's when, you know, Nick and Charlie end up having alone time and they have their kiss. In the second one, he outright like harasses Charlie and like makes really inappropriate like comments Mm -hmm. and asks all these questions, really personal questions out in front of everybody. And it's just like just harassing him just to get a rise out of Charlie. And it gets a rise out of Nick more. And Nick ends up punching the guy. And of course he gets punched back because Nick, you know, is such a good guy. He stops. He shouldn't have, but you know. (laughs) That might've been like Nick's coming out moment. I'm like, oh my God, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? Said he took to physical. Like, oh no. Took it into a physical manner. He's going to say a nickel sandwich. That's what he's going to (laughs) say. Oh yeah. And and that guy, oh, I want him to get beat up to a pulp, man. Oh, I I just can't stand homophobes who, you know, I just really, Let people be who they are. God, let them be who they are. It wasn't even just like in the friend group. They were at like a movie theater, like out in public. And oh, I felt so bad for Charlie. And what just really stood out to me in volume one and then, well, this is more in volume two when their relationship like blossoms, um, is that Charlie's so supportive that Nick isn't out yet. And that's huge, I feel like, for what Charlie's been through and how the way he was treated with Ben. Because Nick even has that breakdown of like, I don't want to treat you like Ben did. But Charlie's so like, hey, you get to decide how this happens. Like, I'm here for you. And that's huge. It is. And there's that great scene, like speaking of going back to Dow, where, you know, at Charlie's birthday, and they're doing a bowling thing. And, and so he goes, Charlie goes to the restroom and Dow's like, I'm going to go talk to Charlie. He needs to quit this thing with Nick. So he goes and he's trying to warn him like, he's a jock. He's going to, I'm just, I'm worried about you and everything. And Nick happens to be like at the service counter to order some food or something, which is right next to the bathroom. And he hears them talking. So he walks over and listens and he hears, you know, Dow warning him, warning Charlie about Nick. And Charlie's like, Nick's not like that. He's not like that. And he goes, what's going on with you two? And he's like, we're just friends. And he, you can tell that Charlie doesn't like having to lie, but he does it. He doesn't. He knows that it's Nick's place to come out when he wants to come out, and he does not say anything. And you're just like, oh, and you're, you know, and Nick just feels that heartbreak for Charlie that he has to lie to his friend. You know, you can see it. You can see yeah, it on his face totally. the way that he's listening. To, he's like, oh man, I'm making him lie to his friend, <laughs> and he feels really bad about it. And Charlie's like, don't worry about it. It's your story. You get to decide when you come out. I'm not going to force that on you. Yeah. And it's just, they're just so supportive of each other, you know, and, and just, oh, it's such a loving, it just, it's the relationship you want. <laughs> exactly. Yes, of course. 
it, it's it's like it has that serious element to it but then there's so much fun stuff like I was writing some notes I was reading and I was like oh my god the present scene where he opens the present oh. and then you know they just have all these moments there's that moment where I think it's maybe after not their first kiss oh that's it at the party um that's when nick really freaks out and then you think that it's gonna be this awful he's gonna like totally ghost on charlie then the very next day just like shows up at charlie's door and it's raining and And he's like a little puppy dog like i'm sorry it's so sweet and then it's because his clothes are all wet and they're like making tea then there's this little like one of the frames in the book i love it they're like washing their teacups teacups or something and then charlie like booty bumps nick (laughs) then like the words say like boop and i'm just like this is too fucking cute i can't handle it (laughs) i will say one thing though that scene you just described like so they go up to charlie's room they close the door and then nick finally you know he's like i'm and charlie's over here saying i'm really sorry about kissing you i didn't want to force myself on you and i'm sorry that i even suggested it and and he goes and, and nick's like chill out charlie 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 chill out and then finally he just grabs charlie and kisses him mm-hmm. charlie's in his like in pajamas that's what he, his mother calls him it looks like he's just like boxers but you know in a t-shirt or a, a button-up shirt but anyway and i'm thinking i'm like yeah this, these kids are really young teenagers and they're hormonal and this kiss out of nowhere i mean i'm reading it and i'm like oh this seems so sweet i would and then i'm like oh Oh, I'm like, my heart is just swelling. I'm getting really happy. And then he kisses him. And I went, oh, and I said, at that moment, and none of this sounds crude, they would have had erections. <laughs> <laughs> they would have. They it would have happened. I'm sorry. Those teenage boys, I don't care how, in, quote, in love you are. Love does not take away hormones, okay? <laughs> they would have gone for it. I was like, I actually kind of looked. I was I don't know. I'm so bad. I looked at the panel. I was like, did she draw any kind of erection or anything like that? I was like, you know, <laughs> like a Disney sleuth, you know, when you're like, <laughs> like <Yeah>. Little Mermaid. <laughs> like, I don't know. Have you ever seen that scene in The Little Mermaid where the, the priest gets the erection? Yes. Oh you have? He's like, dearly beloved. And all of a sudden he goes, whoop, doop. And you're like, oh, it's my like, God. Well, why? <laughs> <laughs> It Just actually has some questionable things. Somebody was like, that's his knee. I'm like, that's not his knee. <laughs> <laughs> a knee doesn't go up and down like that. <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah, that, yeah, that, I love that scene. But oh, now so I have amazing. a love for that scene because of, you know, me going, what? Where's the erections? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> You're like, this is a little too PG. <laughs> well, no. I know. I mean, they dropped the F bomb and everything left know, and right. right? And, I mean, like, come on, give us some erections. No, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm weird. curious to know where their physical relationship goes in volume three and volume four. Yes, I am too. I am very, very curious. And um, I, I really want to know, like, I know they're, I think they're doing only five volumes. Really? I think. Um, I think to, to complete the story, I think that's what I think. And there might be more. I might, I could be wrong. Well, and speak, speaking of that, let's talk about Alice Osman. So Alice Osman came up with Charlie and Nick in a completely different book. And yeah. it was called Solitaire. And Tori, Charlie's sister, was a main character in that, apparently. And Charlie and Nick have like are a year older than they are in Heartstopper. So they are an established couple and they quickly became like these, these, this, these background characters that were popular apparently. And she really loved them. And so she decided I'm going to write their backstory and how they got together. And so that's where Heartstopper came from. Love and um, there's actually another book called Charlie and Nick or Nick and Charlie as well. And I ordered these books that they're apparently not going to be here until like another month. So <laughs> <laughs> I won't be. I don't know why I didn't realize it was going to take that long, but I'm going to I'm going to read them. I'm going to read them out. But uh, I can't wait. And so she actually announced the casting for Charlie and Nick. And I think I sent you the picture of them. Yeah. Um, and it's Kit Connor and Joe and Joe Locke. As um, I'm guessing Kit Connor's going to be Nick and Joe Locke's going to be Charlie. Yeah. What's funny is that neither one looks really particularly jockey to be no, Nick. 
but I mean, it yeah. doesn't really matter, you know. I guess right. I was they look like real kids, that. so they that's do the point. exactly. When I when I saw them, like these kids look like kids, and then yeah, I'm they're like, not like twenty something year olds trying kids. to be a, a jock yeah. in high school, you know. Right, but it's like Nick is so clearly like broad shoulders, like he's grown into his body at a young age. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and I don't pick that up from at least just the image that they've. Spoiler, no, and, and that's like, okay. And maybe in production and in filming, he'll kind of morph more into what Nick is like in the books. But it's and this hard is also just a it. random picture too. They could exactly. be the right. angle, like, you know. Yeah. But Although maybe. it looks like the kid who's playing Charlie looks like Charlie to me. He does. He's so cute. I love him. The messy dark hair and just yeah, like the big smile, funny. goofy smile, and yeah, I like that. I'm so excited to to see this and it be, um, you know, because th- these books are in. I mean, it doesn't necessarily say a specific city, I don't think, but they're they're in the UK. If I'm remembering correctly, I don't know exactly what country, but yeah, it's European. UK. It, okay, it's England. That sounds about right then. Um, yeah, so I, I lo- I'm excited to watch the show then and see that scenery and hear those accents and just like put it into real life. Put it in perspective. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I am too. And I love how they had the, you know, the oi, 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 that kind of stuff in there. You know, it's totally British. But um, I love it when it's like they, I think it might be, it might be Tao who points out to Charlie, like Nick calls up. A- everybody mate or whatever, like trying to almost point out that he's like a bro or something. And right. I'm just like, I can't wait to hear the, the, the dialogue. <laughs> it's so funny, you know, and it sounds, you know, what's really sad is I don't think a lot of people in England really get, I, like we don't get a lot of their slang and whatnot as much here because until lately, until the past few, like 10 years or so when mm-hmm. like streaming services really started offering more British, you know, um, right. fair, you know, to watch. Mm-hmm. But, we grew up on American stuff. Very rarely any British things came through. Now I know Hollywood has shown, you know, like all our shows and our movies and stuff are shown all over the world and they're popular, like all over, you know, so they know a lot of the stuff. They know our slang. They know, you know, our styles and, you know, popular cities and whatnot. We, we don't know all the, you know, all the different locations and small different dialects of, you know, people and, and what's popular here and what's, what's the funny joke or, I don't know. You know, you get what I'm saying? Like, we just yeah, don't, because totally. we never were exposed to it. And it, I'm glad that we, now we are. And now, and now that we're starting to finally be exposed as, as a country to other countries' stuff, mainly because of streaming and social media and whatnot, yeah, I'm exactly. so happy for that. And yeah. I think that's great. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> no, it's a, just I'm just proclaiming I'm happy. Yeah, just talking about the show. Yeah, there's a the Netflix series called Sex Education that's in the UK as well. And I love that show so much. Like, it's so effing good. And so I just feel like this is going to have like a same vibe as that. These kids are in high school in sex education. It's in you know, the UK. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for Heartstopper, how we'll see that it's in like, um, like an all boys school. I don't really know what kind of cool school they call it, but um, you know, with the uniforms and everything. And it's, an I think that's pretty standard in most British schools. They wear uniforms. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not from what I understand. Sure. Over here. Yeah. We don't people, sorry. If you're listening in England, we don't always wear uniforms. It depends on if no. you're a private school or if your public school district is a mandatory uniform district. That's just how it yeah, is. It's not that common. My, my kid actually has to wear a uniform for school and he hates it. <laughs> it's hilarious. I never had to do that as a kid. So I know. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, for one thing, it would have been nice not to have to like really worry about what you're going to wear, but at the same time you want to express yourself and, exactly. you know, with your own graphic tees and your own, you know, yeah. funky hairdos yeah. and whatnot. Totally. But, you know, have you ever seen, there's a movie that I, actually it was my first gay movie ever watched. And so it's, I guess you would call it, a lot of my stuff that's my first are my favorites because they <laughs> made such an impression on me, you know? That's how I am a Simon. That's, yep. <laughs> there was a movie that I first saw, it was called Beautiful Thing and it's British. Have you ever seen that movie? That no, no, I don't know what that is. Such a good, good movie. It was actually based off a play. I can't remember the playwright's name or anything, but um, and it actually introduced me to the Mamas and the Papas, which was really funny because that's what the whole soundtrack oh. is: the Mamas and the Papas. Oh, fun! I know it's so good. I really recommend you 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 watch it, especially it might give you an idea of what Heartstopper might be like. 
because mm-hmm. it's about a jock boy and there's an awkward kid, you know, and they live in the same apartment building. I think they live next door to each other and they're not really friends, but something happens and they end up getting together, you know, and it's a, it's a gay story. And so one of them has to come out and the other one, you know, the other one, everybody already knows kind of, you know, mm-hmm. and I will recommend though, they're very, their accents are very thick. You might want to watch it with close captioning. <laughs> <laughs> I had to when I first watched it back in the 90s because it's from like 96 or 97. It's a little older, but it's yes. really good. I really recommend you watch it. Ooh, okay, I'll look it up. It should be on digital, so. Nice. Oh, yeah. All right. I want to do this um, this thing where we talk about uh, fantasy casting of these characters. Um, let me pull this up real quick. Yeah, tell me. I'm not exact. I'm excited to do what this year. What you're talking about here? Okay, give me <laughs> I don't one know sec. what this. Okay, okay. So the whole thing. What I'm going to do is from a list of cartoon characters or cartoon shows. I'm going to spin the wheel and we'll land on one. And from that cast, we're going to use these characters as if they're actors in Heartstopper and who, what characters they going to play. Does that make sense? Nice. Yeah, totally. Okay, let me spin this wheel real quick. Okay. And we are landing on uh, Winnie the Pooh. Oh, my God. What the hell? Okay, this is going to be fun. <laughs> so we this is actually kind of a good group to land on, actually, if you think about it. That's Winnie the Pooh characters that. have such varying states of mental health anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it kind of fits in a way for today's mm-hmm. crowd, you know. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead. All right. Let's say. I usually try to go, this is my own personal thing. Winnie the Pooh is a main character, so I usually cast him as a main character. Does that make sense? Sure. So, like, if we had Doug, I would have ch- chosen Doug as one of the main characters. Does that make yeah. You know. Okay, so you ta- Pooh, I'll tell you. Okay, go. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay, I'm going to say Pooh and Christopher Robin are going to be Charlie and Nick. Okay. And I would say Christopher Robin is going to be, oh, man. I want to say Christopher Robin is Charlie and Pooh would be Nick. Okay. See, I think Pooh is totally Nick. Like I was totally going to say that, but I feel like Charlie is Tigger. Okay. Just so like so much energy and goofy and like, and then he's so playful too. Like, I don't know when I first <laughs> was thinking about this. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, Tigger's Charlie. Well, but see, I, I was thinking Christopher Robin too. Yeah, the reason why I thought Christopher Robbins because you know he's out, he knows what's going on, uh-huh. you know, and he's almost in a way uh, Nick's guide, and that would be kind of Christopher Robin for Pooh. You know what I mean? Sure, totally. Yeah. And but Pooh is very protective of Christopher Robin and everybody in the Hundred Acre Woods. He may not know what's going on, but he's a lovable person. So that's totally Nick. Yes. You know? Yes, I get that. And it makes it sound like Nick is clueless. He's not clueless. He's just not as aware of himself as Charlie yeah. is. And that's why I think Christopher Robin's like, yeah, you know, because for me, Tigger's not as aware of himself either. That's true. <laughs> Tigger bounces that's all true. over the place. Like, what the hell's wrong with you, Tigger? Yeah. And, you know, but I will say Dow is definitely pig- Piglet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can- yeah. That's perfect. Because he's just worried. You know, he's worried mm-hmm. all the time. Constantly, you know, and (laughs) I could totally see that happening. Um, I'm trying to think, I kind of want to cast Tori, Charlie's sister, his older sister, who's just so supportive of him, by the way. She's just like, Good going for you and Nick, you know. Oh, maybe that's Kanga. You think you think Kanga? She's so sweet and just like she's a she's a mom so she's very motherly and i can see but also that could be nick's mom we never talked about nick's mom but i love her well nick's mom came in at the end and you know at the end of the volume two really Uh you know really showed up then when he comes out to her finally and it's just a really loving moment it's a but i can totally see that as being nick's mom for sure kanga Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because one of, another one of my favorite parts in in Heartstopper. Sorry, I'll just say this real quick. Um, is when Nick's mom just picks up on their friendship first. She's like, Charlie must be a really special friend. She says, I feel like you are more yourself when you're with him. And I just thought that was such a good thing for her to point out to him to kind yeah. of say that like this is a safe space. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. That could be Nick's mom. 
that was a really good thing. She was kind of letting him know I'm here without yeah. saying it, you know, right. like I noticed this and I'm totally cool with him. I like him and I like the way you are with him. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that too. Yeah. Um, I don't know about Tori, but I will say, I think that the owl is going to have to be missing. Missing. You yeah. think owl's going to be missing? So wise. Always has so all the perfect things to say. <laughs> Okay, I'll give you that. The wise owl thing. Yeah, I'll Thank give you that. You. <laughs> Tigger, I would totally see as somebody like um, Harry Green. And not because he's a jerk that Tigger – well, Tigger, Tigger is kind of a jerk. He's self-involved. He doesn't think yeah, about what he, he says when he does it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? He's just kind of like, I'm having here having a good time, whatever. And that's kind well, of what – Rabbit then? Because Rabbit's kind of a turd. Rabbit's just a buzzkill. You know what I mean? He's just kind of a buzzkill. Uh, I mean, he could, I guess he – I don't know. I don't know. Who would Rabbit be? Huh. I almost feel like Rabbit is more like Harry. Was that his name? And then Tigger could be Ben. Very like into himself and, you know. But you know what? Rabbit's a lot angrier and Ben is very angry. That's true. He's very angry because he's not out of the closet, barely even to himself. Yeah. And so he kind of takes that out on Charlie. I thought, you know what? I think Rabbit would probably be Ben. Okay. Yeah. And Tigger is still kind of like, and plus Tigger's got that redheaded orange thing, which I think, I don't know why I think Harry Green's redhead. That makes sense. (laughs) I don't know why, because he's got the freckles and stuff and and you know everything's in green and black and white. So you can't Mm -hmm. really tell their hair color, but I think he's a redhead. redhead. (laughs) Now I kind of want to cast Eeyore, but there's no one who's really depressed in this. Yeah. No one who's really down in the dumps and like, oh, don't worry about me. So he, I guess he, maybe he's a character coming up we haven't cast yet. Oh, I'm, yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet he's in volume three. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love that. So, okay, let's get into what we think is going to happen in this show. Um. Like, I want to know, what do you think is going to change from the book to the screen? Like, what what do you want to see more of on, uh, you know, what more of a, of the story you want to see of? Because they can do that more since in, mm-hmm. in a TV show. I think that they'll point out some of the side characters a little bit more. Like, their friend groups, they'll have more time in the show to show some of those relationships. And so some of, I'm excited to see more about the trans character. I think her name's Elle. Mm-hmm. Um, that she's at Charlie's bowling party. And Dell supposedly has a crush on her. Right. So that's going to be great. I'm really excited for that like character development. Um, I'm sure they'll kind of highlight those characters a little bit more. Um, I'm hoping that we do see more of Tori and just some of the sibling relationships there. I I definitely want to see more of Tori. Tori's awesome. Yeah. I think they'll, and doesn't he have a younger brother? Is that who Ollie is? Yeah. Yeah. That, that'll be fun too. So that's what I think is going to be, what they're going to be able to dive into more in the show is to show some of these side characters. And then I love just a show about school. Like that's just I like, do too. It's I gonna love- be so all I just wanna see the school and the rugby matches and you know, because there's just a very tiny little scene where they're like doing like something for the orchestra. There's some kind of play or something, and that's where Nick first comes out to Tara, who was the girl he used to like have a crush on. Um, so just like little school scenes that are just like one page in the book. I'm like, oh, I wanna see that. I do too. I see. I love the school atmosphere stuff because everybody went through school. Everybody can relate to being a teenager or a kid at some point. That's the reason why I think YA is so popular. It's even with adults is because we've been there. So we all relate to it. We know those feelings and we kind of long for it a little bit. You know, the, you know, days of yesteryear, you know, yeah, you know, so I don't see any problem with it. You know, um, I definitely want to see the school stuff too. I mean, I love that. I love prep school type atmospheres. I'm always interested in it because I didn't go to one of those. Yeah. So it just kind of fascinates me, you know, the dynamics and whatnot. Um, Yeah, that'll be totally fun. (laughs) uh, I I, I think I kind of want it to be a 30 minute show. 
kind of like Love, Simon or Love, Victor. Yeah. It's supposed to be, I think, for the first season, so it's the eight half-hour episodes. Okay, good. Good. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it's not going to be like over like a 13-episode period. I'm glad it's going to be short. Same. Like it's going to be where you can essentially just a broken up long movie, you yep. know? Mm-hmm. That's the way I kind of want to see it. I, I was yeah. thinking for about For once, that. like I feel like this series could be a really good 30-minute episode show. I can totally see that. Yeah, and it's because it's quirky and it's got to get that – it's that rom-com feel to it, you mm-hmm. know, where it gets yeah. serious but it doesn't stay too serious too long. It says, here's this serious situation. We're presenting it to you and now we're going to go into this lovey-dovey, happy-go-lucky stuff. And I'm like, oh, Perfect. good. Yeah. So they'll, they'll, they'll take every little episode probably and give it its own tiny story. So, you know, one of the episodes will probably be all about rugby and that will be a super fun episode where he's learning about rugby and they're playing and they're, lear- and they're teaching each other like that. That's going to be something. And, you know, then an I'm episode will be the whole um, party. Like, yeah. it'll be fun. I'm curious if they're going to, like, cover the actual book or if they're just going to take the situation, the setup, and then just completely go in a completely different direction. Yeah, that that could be. I I'm sure there will be a lot of differences in it. And that's kind of why I don't always enjoy <laughs> yeah. film adaptations. But um, I still – I think this could just be fun. Like you said, even if they just use the characters – and the basic storyline, but it was so many different, like a new stories developed. Like I, that'd be fun. Yeah, I think that yeah, it it has a potential to go longer than this book series. So they might have to like at least start some, even for the side characters. Yeah, like more well, of a storyline for did them. With Walking Dead. I used to read those comics, and then the show started, and it was so popular. And they started to write the show and make its own stories and stuff. And people, Robert Kirkman, who wrote the books, even came to a point that it was like this show is not necessarily better but it's just it's growing more than the books and then he's as far as i know like stopped writing the books and the show continued on like it just started off of the books. so when you, when you read the walking dead series the first few you know uh books that came out are spot on for the show mm-hmm. but then the show just took off and it was still just as good I mean, I got tired of watching it eventually, but <laughs> but that's you know that's just a thing. You grow as a person, yeah. you change, you stop watching shows a lot. Sure. You know, so happens. I mean, that's that is a good example of it because they took these graphic novels and made it into a show, but a show so much longer than just a small graphic novel. So I do think they have a lot of potential to just make Heartstopper its whole own thing. I think yeah, and I think it does rely basically on how well they flesh out the you know the supporting cast, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and how m- how much interesting they make their, their stories. And they do have potential. Like you said, like you have Elle, the trans character, which we didn't really beat very long. Just It was just kind of a side like, oh, yeah, you know, Elle just transitioned and, you know, and, okay, cool. And so Nick's just like, how you doing, Elle? You know, and that's it. And yeah. <laughs> no big thing about it. You just drop, mm-hmm. you know, let us know. And which that's how life should be, by the way. It should, you know, yeah. you just say, hey, this is what's what's the deal is. Okay, I got you. All right, we're good from here. And you move on. <laughs> Exactly. People make too much of a big deal about people transitioning or, you know, mm-hmm. changing pronouns. And I know it can be confusing. And after a while, I, I get it. I've, I've been around, okay? In the past few years, especially, there's been a lot more people who've been coming out as trans or non-binary. And after a while, you kind of feel overwhelmed. And I get it. But just chill out. It's not about you. It's about them, you know? Mm-hmm. So just, yeah. just be respectful. Ask, you know, give them the right pronouns. and you know, and just, I don't know. <laughs> Move no, on. Like exactly. Yeah. They handled that well in this book for sure. Definitely. And I think that's, that's another good thing about YA is that they're just, they're showing you how to be decent people, you know, just be a decent person and treat somebody with respect. You don't have to, you know, anyway, sorry, I'm getting all preachy. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> like it. Like it a lot. So, yeah, thank you so much, Hannah. I'm so glad that you I'm glad that you've already read this book, but I'm you know glad you came on to talk about it. And we did some pride stuff for once. Yeah. No, it's great. I love it. <laughs> Non-Fear really Street, non-thriller. <laughs> yeah. No, this is something I'm very passionate about, obviously. And I didn't even like when I read The Heartstopper, the first two volumes, I loved it so much. But it's been a hot minute since I read it. So I just kind of skimmed through it for this episode. And then I was like. 
I love this so much. Like, I'm so excited to read volume three and four. <laughs> um, but no, thank you so much for having me on this one. I, and I love, thank you for sharing more about your story too. And I loved hearing your thoughts on this one. I haven't really talked to anybody about the Heartstopper series. So this was super fun. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad we had, you know, and maybe we can check, we'll check back in later and see how, you know, uh, how it looks or how it goes when it actually comes out. <laughs> um, yes, definitely. Yeah. So listeners, if you want to check out Hannah, um, you can find her on Instagram at Pandas Reading Rainbow, or you can listen to a Stroll Down Fear Street podcast, which is available where most podcasts are played. She's basically covering all the Fear Street books going in order that they came out. And it's really fun. Um, you should definitely just go check it out. It's just a chill conversation covering each book. It's it's really it was really fun to do, and uh, it's fun to listen to. So, <laughs> thanks, Dustin. Yeah. Once again, I'd like to thank Shelly Toy, Stephen Trigar, and Gliza for their generosity in sponsoring the show via Buy Me a Coffee. Please check out buymeacoffee.com/dustincanread to learn out how you can become a sponsor and be mentioned on an episode. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to me via Twitter at Dustin underscore Holden or on Instagram at Dustin Can Read. You can also email me at DustinCanReadPod at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to be alerted of new episodes. Again, please consider giving a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. It just helps us podcasters get noticed by other listeners. And it's just nice. It's also good karma for you. Wink. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Dustin can read.